This is an ABC podcast. You know, the ratio is one to 20 kids are diagnosed ADHD in Australia. And in other countries, it's one to 10. You know, when I hear that it's not real, it, it just breaks my heart because the way that it impacts kids, you know, it leads to the worst outcomes and the ones we don't want to think about as parents. Do you have a child who's constantly fiddling, unable to concentrate, or quick to act without thinking? You might have wondered, do they have ADHD? Well, some people think it's a condition that's overdiagnosed in children or not even real. ADHD is way more common than you think, and it's actually underdiagnosed, and it's very misunderstood. I'm Maggie Dent, and in this Parental as Anything, we're finding out about ADHD and how, if your child has it, you can encourage and support them and turn their symptoms into superpowers. More than one million Australians have ADHD. If your child has been diagnosed with it, you'll have found ways to manage their hyperactivity, inattention or impulsivity, whether that's through medication, exercise or mindfulness or a combination of things. But in a classroom or social setting, you're not there to help them manage it. And those qualities can sometimes be seen as disruptive or even naughty. We can help them channel those energies and I want you to meet someone who will help you do that. Her name is Christine Keeble and she's the mum of two kids. They were both diagnosed as autistic and having ADHD and that made Christine wonder, am I autistic too? Do I have ADHD? Turns out that gut feeling was right. So as well as being a neurodivergent mum, Christina is a special education teacher who supports children and families who are neurodivergent themselves. Christina, there's a lot of confusion about ADHD, isn't there? So what is ADHD really? (laughs) That's a big question, but I'll start with ADHD actually stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. But again, even the name isn't an accurate representation necessarily of what it is. It's actually, it's a spectrum of challenges in regards to our neurobiological state of the brain. Simply put, it's a deficiency in the neurotransmitters, uh, in particular the norepinephrine, which sends information, you know, to different parts of the brain. And its effect that it has on, on individuals, kids and adults, mainly impact executive function, the emotional centers and the impulse impulsivity control functions of the brain. Um, And this tends to happen in our frontal lobe and basal ganglia area. Okay. Now, some people don't actually believe it's real. There are others who think it's just overdiagnosed in children. So what do you say to that? (laughs) It's, look, when I'm speaking, I speak from professional experience as a special education teacher. I speak as a parent of two kids who are diagnosed ADHD. And I speak as an adult who was diagnosed as an adult with ADHD. And I can 100% tell you it is real. And in hindsight, being diagnosed as an adult, it was such a strong personal moment 
of clarity and mm-hmm. what I call aha moments where you just go, oh, it's like all of these things made sense from the past. Now, obviously that's my personal experience, but yes, it is real. It has to do with, like I'd mentioned before, these, you know, areas of our brain and, and research is actually out there that it is underdiagnosed. It is not overdiagnosed. And when you look at the statistics in Australia compared to other first world countries, you know, the ratio is one to 20 kids are diagnosed in Australia. And in other countries, it's one to 10. You know, when I hear that it's not real, it it just breaks my heart because the way that it impacts and, and the variety of ways that it impacts kids, you know, it leads to some of the most, the worst outcomes and the ones we don't want to think about as parents. So I've had many parents of young boys be told to get their boys assessed for ADHD because yeah. they're restless in the classroom, to have paediatricians tell them they're quite normal boys. So <laughs> is that common? Yeah, look, unfortunately it is common. You know, developmentally, what we're requiring of the kids in class is not always appropriate. And I've read some interesting things and and had some interesting conversations with people who research a lot of ADHD, you know, and and one of the common things that people who don't understand it, they say is, oh, well, it was never there before. There's several things that I always like to point out. So if you go back as far as to when, you know, not everybody went to school, You know, there was a time not too long ago that not all kids were school bound or maybe they were only, you know, for a short period of time. And then they went to, you know, work on the farm and they were doing physical work and movement. And, you know, they weren't in this box with no sunlight expected to sit and focus. You know, the kids were more regulated in that sense. A lot of what, you know, occupational therapists do with our children is they try and get them to do things like heavy work and and all of this stuff to get the input into their bodies. Now, just because those kids in the past were out in the field getting the input they needed, it did not mean that their brain was not wired that way. It's just that their needs were getting met. Now, I've read about girls with ADHD being harder to diagnose, Christina. So can you tell me why that might be? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd mentioned before it being a spectrum of challenges and you know, when we're looking, you know, girls compared to boys, and re- when I'm saying this, please know this isn't every single situation. Yep. This yep. is more of a generalization, but girls tend to um, internalize things more. They also, you know, if they do display behaviors, they generally tend to be a little more socially acceptable. And when, you know, we look at boys, they tend to be more, you know, external with their behaviors. Uh, they're more physical. They may be identified as being disruptive, um, where girls might be, you know, identified as, you know, spacey, lack of focus, talks a lot, disorganized. And so part of it is the lens that we see them through, um, but also the way that they express and exhibit challenges. Excellent. So what are some of the signs that a child might have ADHD? Like there's the classic ones I think that we're all familiar with that really high energy never sit still, you know, they're just really always rearing to go. Uh, impulsivity, distractibility is another one. Emotional mood swings, having challenges dealing with big emotions. Um, those are kind of the key ones along with, you know, having trouble with transitions, that hyper focus. Yeah, those are kind of the big signs. I really like that you also advocate that 
calling children who struggle with ADHD bad or naughty is Mm. problematic and needs to be avoided. Can you explain why that's such an important thing to avoid? So there was a big research uh, study done that by the age of 12, children who were ADHD compared to their peers who were not received 20,000 more negative comments or corrections than their peers. That is heartbreaking. And and ADHD and low self-esteem go hand in hand, unfortunately. So, you know, when I know if I'm going to be supporting a family and their child has that, I know we have to address that child's self-image and their self-esteem. When we use language such as, you know, good, bad, naughty, most of us, we're socialized that way. You know, we don't even think about it. It just kind of naturally comes out. But when we do that, you know, the concept of bad, if a child internalizes that concept, what happens is it can lead to shame. And that's one of the most damaging things we can do to a developing brain is is to have them feel shame for it. So what can a parent say to support their children? So what we want to do is shift our focus away from what we're not wanting them to do. Okay, so take the attention off what we're not happy with. Let's focus on all the amazing things that they are doing. Let's shift the attention, raise them up with praise. So every time they, you know, do something that, you know, maybe we have noticed but we don't acknowledge, let's start acknowledging it. Point out all the great stuff. Feed them that positive feedback. Another thing is let's set up our environment, be it at home or in a classroom, Let's set it up for success. So if, you know, you know that they're distracted by by this thing in particular, move it out of the way. Make it so it's not in their line of vision. Help them organize, you know, systems in their room or in the classroom that take away their need to figure things out, which which is going to be taking up a lot of their energy. And also let's do it by coming alongside them. You know, I think a lot of the times we tend to, you know, it's us against them. And even if we're not feeling that, that's how they're perceiving it. You know, we're telling them, we're correcting them. Let's work with them alongside them and collaborate and, and help them feel part of the solution and then experience the success that way. So, Christina, how can siblings and other friends, particularly children, be encouraged to support a child with ADHD? I think a big part of it is how the family frames ADHD and the challenges and the language that's used to to discuss it, you know, helping the siblings along with the child understand uh, the way their brain works and, and some of the things that they may struggle with. But at the same time, pointing out all the amazing strengths that come with mm, their brain that's as well. A great idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and doing that with, you know, friends, uh, you know, their peers and, and just saying, you know what, you know, giving them little ideas or strategies to show them how they can be a good friend and support them in that moment. Once a child has been diagnosed, yeah. how is ADHD treated? The main way is through medication. And a lot of pediatricians, and I've spoken to quite a few, they will only give the diagnosis if the parent is ready to medicate. Um, That's not across the board, but that is one of the approaches. But we also need to look at sensory regulation. We need to look at building their executive functioning skills. We also need to look at interoceptive awareness. Whoa, that's a biggie. What, 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 (laughs) what, What is interoceptive awareness, please? 
It's, it's a really new, exciting area. Um, it's actually our eighth sense. So when you think of occupational therapy and those amazing people who work with neurodivergent kids, they look at our senses and they generally also look at, so the ones we know, uh, and then they also look at our vestibular and our proprioceptive sense. Now, the eighth sense is interoceptive awareness, and that is our internal awareness of everything that's going in mm. inside our bodies. I've only just started to read about it, so I was a bit fascinated. So, Christina, medication can be a hot button issue for people. And obviously, without giving medical advice, can you speak to the experiences for people who do take medication and also for those who don't? Look, medication, for example, for myself has only been in the past few years. Um, And I know that medication works for me, but I've also existed without it. From my understanding through the practitioners that diagnosed me and and the psychiatrist and everything that I work with, my team, the way they were explaining that medication for ADHD works is it's not for everybody. Uh, And there are people who it won't work for, for one reason or another. I was lucky that the first one I took worked. So that was pretty straightforward sure. and simple. <laughs> um, most of the time that doesn't happen. You know, you got to kind of treat it like an experiment. Um, that's what I told my kids. You know, we're going to give it a go, see if it works. And if, you know, we're going to listen to their feedback. So for us and my family, it is a for now solution. So my children, I know um, that, you know, there are things that one day they will be able to do if they choose to and get themselves off the medication. But right now, when they are having lots of challenges, I'm going to use it as a tool to help them get the strategies and information and learning in. And as time goes on, I've seen through a lot of families that adolescents tend to take themselves off it at one point or another. So I'm using it as a tool so we can get those strategies in now. So when they do come off it, they'll have the skills to be able to hopefully regulate themselves. Now, I once had a paediatrician tell me that kids with ADHD are managing like so many more impulses through their mind and nervous system and that it's not all bad and it can be a real gift, which was just eye-opening at the time for me. He said they can focus on more things and have incredible capacity for creative problem solving, especially in a digital world, and often they may be at an advantage. What are your thoughts on that, Christina? Yes, yes and yes. (laughs) I think... (laughs) Absolutely. And it's such a great lens to see it through because the creative thinking and the out of the box problem solving is amazing with these ADHD brains. They have this ability to hyper focus and this ability to hyper focus on something actually is part of the reason that they can go undiagnosed, especially to the untrained eye. You know, the hyper focus isn't just on anything. It's on things that grab their interest. So and and transitioning off that can be a challenge. And in a situation like that, we're probably going to focus more on their inability to transition off, you know, but, but let's use that to motivate them, use their hyper focus on things that interest them, but make it as, you know, work it with it to their advantage with learning, you know, all of these things, you know, when they're guided by the, you know, adults in their lives can be very powerful and lead to some very successful adults in the future. And that success aspect is they are often driven, aren't they, to be successful. So how can that be an encouraging and positive thing without overwhelming them and putting too much pressure on them? 
It's always a balance, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it's you're walking this fine line. Part of it is, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for working with the child to collaborate yeah. on solutions, you know, get their feedback, let them be a participant. So then hopefully if they have that trusting relationship, they'll feed mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. to you where they're at. But definitely. So grabbing their things that captivate their interest, weaving it into the tasks that they need to do and pointing it out. So ADHD kids always get these negative, you know, comments or stop doing that, do this, focus, you know, all these little things. We need to just flip it and we need to over-focus on the positive and point out all the amazing little things that they do because that's what they need to feel motivated. They need that more extrinsic acknowledgement of what's going on. And that will just fuel them to keep them in that positive direction. Now, Christina, what is your final message to parents who are listening, whether or not they have children who they may think have ADHD or do, what do you really want them to understand about having a child who has ADHD? What I really want people to take away from this is one, just in general, when we're looking at kids, we need to, I think, remove judgment you know, what can, we're perceiving as challenging, um, you know, there's an amazing skill here that we can channel. And that includes what I'd mentioned, that impulsivity, hyper-focus. So let's be the adults who guide them and help them thrive. Absolutely. Let them be heard and accepted exactly as they are. Absolutely. And we're all in a much better world if we can do that. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Christina, for your input today. Thank you so much for having me. And here are some tips for parenting children with ADHD. ADHD can go hand in hand with low self-esteem. So labelling a child with ADHD as bad is really unhelpful. Strive to work hard to advocate for your child and remove judgement and focus on helping them to thrive, not just survive. It can be really helpful to move the attention from what we're not wanting them to do and focus on the amazing things that they are doing. Focus on setting up your homes and hopefully classrooms for success. Limit distractions and help your kids organise routines and systems that take away their need to figure these things out for themselves. As with all children, working with your child works better than doing to your child. So collaborate with your child to help them be a part of the solution and focus on finding solutions to the things that challenge them. Seriously, ADHD can be a gift when it comes to your child's focus and creative problem solving and working with them to harness their superpowers, whatever they may be. Now, this was the last episode in this series of Parental as Anything. It's not all bad news because you can always listen to any of the episodes from all four of our series wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, we've covered everything from raising resilient children to talking to your kids about sex to managing tantrums and meltdowns. We've covered heaps of issues that cause today's parents to worry. There's a wealth of information there and it's ready for you to tap into whenever you need it. So before I sign off, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for jumping on and listening. Thanks for sharing our podcast with other people. 
Thanks for being a part of this journey that I'm on, hopefully helping you again to be the parent you really want to be, well, most of the time. And just to finish season four, I need to say some really big thank yous to the people who make me sound great on air. Justin Kelly, the executive producer, and marie de Betancourt, the engineer, my fabulous producers, Kim Lester and Sam Wicks, Azizena Carrasco, my field reporter, Carmen Myler from my own team, who is a consulting producer, which means she makes sure I don't forget things. An enormous thank you to these fabulous people who have helped to create season four of Parental as Anything. 